Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Mark Morey's Betty Page Reveals All is an intimate look at one of the world's most recognized sex symbols, told all told, well, told in her own words for the very first time. In Maury's alluring documentary, The Real Betty Page emerges from a veil of myth and rumor via audio interviews taped a decade prior to her death in 2008. With an earthy, razor-sharp wit, Betty tells her own story. And it is a wonderful, beautiful, uh, beautifully photographed, sto- uh, gorgeous photos from her uh, career, um, interviews with some of the most important people in her life. It is a it is a wonderful documentary, and we're joined today by the director, Mark Morey. Mark, welcome to Film School. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for being here. And uh, just the I guess the obvious question. I mean, did you how much did you know about Betty Page before you came upon the idea that we need we need a documentary that really kind of sets the record straight about Betty's life? Well, I didn't know much about Betty Page. Uh, I knew her face and her image, and I think when people realize that her image is ubiquitous in the culture, but um, I didn't know who she was, but I was at having lunch with my entertainment attorney in Los Angeles, and he showed me the book, Betty Page, Life of a Pinup Legend, mm-hmm. prior to its publication in 96. And once I saw the book, and knew I had an opportunity to meet Betty, well, then I knew I had to make the film. What was it about the, the your initial encounter w- with her where you saw that, first of all, she sounds great in these audio recordings that you, you got. Um, she seemed to have her wits about her. She seemed, uh, as you say, as I just said, kind of a sharp, uh, sharp wit about her. Um, did you see right away that, that this was, was going to be enough? Or did, is that what you decided, I'm going to record her, let's get going on this? What was her? Did she have an initial reaction to the proposal? Tell us a little bit about that part of it. Well, I wanted to make the film before I had even met her. I just knew it was a good story, and obviously the images are amazing. Yeah. And, uh, but once I met her in person and I saw and experienced the personality that you get in the film, you realize that the, the reason these pictures are so compelling is not just because Betty's so gorgeous, because there's a lot of gorgeous women out there, but Betty has this personality, this authenticity that comes right through. It's captured in all these photographs of her. And, and uh, when that, you, you experience that when you hear her voice narrating the film. Yeah. Well, did, what was her initial reaction? Was there some trepidation? Did it take you a little while to win her, her confidence? Uh, how long? What was that process? Well, it wasn't really so much trepidation. I mean, I was paying her, and I think she liked having the money because I was one of the first people to pay her anything. Mm. Um, oh. And I don't think she... It wasn't like she was trepidatious or hesitant. She didn't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, why would somebody want to do this? Why does, why does anybody interested in my pictures from the 50s? Did, did and it I, I don't want to I'm trying I don't want to give anything too much away that of the content of the of Betty uh, Page uh, reveals all but did did she have n- no sense of her impact or and of the sort of cultural uh, per, um, 
her uh, her cultural influence? Did what was what was her take on? You just said she just. Why would anyone want to talk to her? Did she have no sense of her own uh, kind of a standing in in our culture? Well, well, she she was told about it, and there's even a story in the film where Dave Stevens, who drew her in the Rocketeer yeah. comic strip, comic book. I mean, he took her into a Tower Records and show her showed her a whole end cap display of Betty Page books, and she was just amazed. So she was made aware of it by people, but she couldn't understand it. She never could figure out or or compute. It didn't make sense to her why people were interested. Yeah. So, uh, but as you're, uh, so did she really ever, I mean, through this, did she begin to grasp uh, just how much of an influence she had on, on so many, in so many different ways? This is the fascinating thing about your film, uh, Betty Page Reveals All, is uh, it's easy to look at the pictures and appreciate them for what they are, but also, it, you've, we've all seen them without, you know, almost without exception. People have seen pictures of Betty Page in her, in her outfits, her get-ups, her bikinis, and the rest of it. Uh, did did she really? Did you think she ever really got the the picture of the level that which she had achieved? Well, no, I don't think she could understand it. But I think that's part of the charm. Yeah, I mean, Betty is so authentic mm-hmm. and uncalculated, and she just is this force of nature. And that's part of what makes her so influential. It's, it's part of the charm of Betty Page. She's not some concoction of Hollywood. She's not created by an, by an agent. She never had any, anybody helping us, whether she did her own makeup, she made her own outfits. She's just this force of nature who's just there and exists and doesn't even contemplate what it's about. Let me uh, let me remind our listeners. Speaking with Mark Moore, the producer and director of the documentary uh, Betty Page Reveals All, it is opening um, across the country um, as we sit here on December sixth uh, at a, a lot of theaters here in, uh, in California at the Landmark in San Francisco, the Opera Plaza in San Francisco, but right across the street from where I'm sitting at the University Town Center Six in Irvine. Uh, and as well as across the country, uh, in Philadelphia, Minneapolis, Miami, Phoenix, Las Vegas. It's, uh, so it's getting a wide release. In the interest of those who maybe don't know the name but know the image, what fill in some of the some of the gaps for people who aren't aware. Maybe describe her, and, and so people will. I'm sure will go. Oh, I, I know who you're talking about. Help us a little bit on that. Well, she was the premier pinup model in the 1950s. Now, but this was not in the mainstream media. This was in pulp magazines that were available on newsstands. But you couldn't walk by a newsstand in the 50s without seeing her face on the cover. And, of course, she had the black bangs, the long back black hair, and the joyous smile or the smoldering look, and, of course, the bikinis. There were, were no bikinis in America in the 50s. Betty pioneered the bikini, among many other things, in the 50s. She had to make her own bikinis in order to pose in bikinis. So uh, it's, uh, that, uh, she was in these magazines called Twitter and um, oh, yeah. Flirt, Flirt and yeah. uh, Beauty Parade, and she was a centerfold in Playboy in uh, 1955. Yeah, and and um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, in the in the film, that she had she had been to Europe, so she had seen a version of the bikini. She came back here, and started making them. And I didn't know until I I was revealed it was in the film 
that in America, bikinis were, I mean, were unheard of. They were just, they didn't exist. And so here she is, uh, invent, not getting credit for, she didn't invent the bikini, but certainly made it a part of uh, the iconography of that world, of that sort of the pinup world. Um, interesting. Very, very fascinating things. Well, yeah, you didn't see bikinis on beaches in America until the 1960s. Right. And, of course, Betty was doing this as, as, as far back as the early 50s. And uh, we've even got some previously unseen photographs of her as a teenager in a homemade bikini and photographs that were shot in the 1930s. Oh so, um, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, Betty was just unabashed. She just was gorgeous. And she, she, but she knew it, and she liked to display it, but not in any kind of an arrogant, you know, yeah. uh, arrogant kind of way. She just was a, this, this, this force of nature. Well, that, that, I think that's a good opportunity to kind of uh, talk about her as her personality. Uh, what comes across in in the interviews with the people who were so important in her life, uh, for for better and for worse, in some cases, um, it, that this, so what comes through is that she had. Um, at least projected a very positive attitude, and, and especially when it came to her body, sexuality, this what she felt was just a natural thing for her to to be. Um, talk about that personality that uh, that comes across so well in, in uh, Betty Page Reveals All. Well, Betty just has this natural um, zest for life yeah. and joy that comes across in the photographs, and it's even partly what made kind of bondage and fetish mainstream and attracted Paris fashion designers to be inspired by Betty was because this this thing that was in the 50s considered pornographic or sleazy, the, the, the bondage and the fetish, Betty made it acceptable, made it mainstream, made it fun. And, uh, and she made everything she did fun. And, of course, she, the, the movie, she couldn't carry off narrating a whole hour-and-a-half movie about her life if she wasn't uh, a strong personality with, that was really uh, fun to listen to. Yeah, definitely. And, and let's, uh, set the set, let's set the time frame, the time uh, uh, when she was in her prime in terms of her modeling career was the 1950s. Uh, and yeah, it, 1950 to 57 was basically the Betty's modeling years. Right. And it was also a, a period of time when there were an awful lot of... Um, political and social forces in play uh, that were resisting the, uh, a budding kind of sexual, I'll we'll call it the sexual revolution, I think that's an overused phrase, but we'll, we'll go with it, a, a recognition that sex is a vital and important part of our lives and beginning to make it kind of a, a socially acceptable thing, more socially acceptable in a, in a public setting. So there was these forces in play, political, um, the Kefauver Commission, um, looked into this. Tell us a little bit about sort of the background that she, I say flourished in, but she, that was around her when she was modeling. Well, yes, and this is part of the, the, the why Betty's so significant is the context of when this happened. I mean, if Betty was doing what she was doing today, it wouldn't have necessarily, we don't, aren't, no. We are in a sexually repressive atmosphere to some degree, but not like the 50s. No. And, it, and it was repressive uh, for people 
may be familiar with McCarthyism, the anti-communist crusades, uh, actors and directors were hounded out of Hollywood, people were fired from their jobs for being suspected of being communists, less well-known as the same thing was going on in the realm of sex. Betty was persecuted by a guy who was actually running for president of the United States, and he was kind of going on this anti-pornography uh, crusade and uh, hauled Betty before a Senate committee for corrupting the morals of American youth by doing bondage photographs. Yeah, and, th- and that it, it's it's become kind of a playbook uh, 101 move for politicians who are looking for um, – for a higher office to grandstand and to promote sort of the more salacious and the more kind of uh, headline-grabbing things, not in the interest of justice or or any sort of social progress, but it's just simply as a as an opportunity, a platform to just promote their own self-interest, and that certainly is what uh, comes across to me in watching the film that this she was she happened to be an easy target. Uh, and a vulnerable Well, yeah, target. in fact, this, this is not just some idle harassment. I mean, they were trying to put her out of business. Right. They were trying to put the people who published her photographs out of the business, and they were, to some extent, successful in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, by the way, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Mark Morey. He is an Academy Award-nominated documentary filmmaker. His films include Building Bombs, Academy Award nominee for the documentary Blood Ties, The Life and Work of Sally Mann, uh, the fire this time, and also Kent State, the day the war came home. Um, so uh, it, within all of this, there were a certain, there were a couple of people who uh, who kind of stepped up to help some high-profile people. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about the relationship that uh, Betty had with uh, Hugh Hefner, the publisher of uh, uh, Playboy magazine. Well, of course, Betty had been the first Playboy holiday centerfold in the uh, 1955. She's that's the famous picture of her posing uh, nude next to a Christmas tree, like she's decorating the tree with a little Santa hat on. A photograph that was taken by Bunny Yeager, who we also see in the film, yes. uh, a, a fairly well-known pinup photographer, female photographer. And of course, at that point, Bunny had just sent the photograph to Hefner, and Hefner had never met Betty. And uh, but later in life, um, Dave Stevens, uh, who Drew Betty and the Rocketeer, the whole Rocketeer was inspired by Betty. Took uh, He got to know Betty, and he took Betty to meet Hugh Hefner, and Hefner realized that Betty was not getting the money from her image. A lot of people were making money off of Betty Page, but Betty Page wasn't seeing it. So Hefner uh, befriended Betty and arranged for uh, her to get some representation, and Betty started getting the money that uh, she was due. And in the later years in her life, she was able to live more comfortably and, and uh, you know, live a better life because she finally got the benefit of this, which she didn't hardly even know was going on. Yeah, and 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 there were a few other people. I, I was, it's you know, it's always heartening to see uh, somebody, a, a number of people that realized that she was just on the on the wrong end of so many of these business arrangements, and and did step up to help her because she struggled. And again, I want v- viewers to watch this film because I think there are some very interesting reveals in it, things I had no idea about. Uh, Betty did pass uh, back in two thousand and eight. Am I correct in that? Yes, she did, yeah. In yeah. fact, it's the anniversary of her death is on Sunday. It was December 8th, 2008, that she passed away. Um, yeah, and, and there were others. I mean, there were other people involved. And, and I, again, it's sort of it's hard to overstate her influence in the culture. There's not a 
significant. There's very few um, pop icons, women, female icon uh, singers, well-known singers, who haven't at some point in their career adapted sort of a Betty Page-esque look. In, and, uh, I mean, Madonna, certainly, and there's uh, uh, Katy Perry today. There's so many that have that that look. What is it about... Beyonce did it in some of her music videos. Right, and also Lady Gaga. There's there's right. so many, and there's so many, and that is, that's just the world of music that has... And if anything, the world of fashion and the world of fashion photography has even more, been more influenced by by her look and by her persona, people trying to kind of uh, capture the, that essence that, that Betty was. Um, what was it about her look? What, what do you think was, is such the appeal? I think you've identified some of it in the, her personality. Is that, is that really a lot of what it was about her that was well, so appealing? Well, there, there, I mean, people respond to authenticity. Yeah. And Betty is this gorgeous woman who's authentic. You know, yeah. I sort of hate to say this. Some women are so beautiful, if they know it, they, 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 it goes to their head a little bit. But Betty was completely authentic. She was just amazing looking and, and, and a brunette and had this uh, very unusual body, very tiny waist, but no ego at all about it. And, and, she, and her, her personality, she was right there in the moment. So she could, and she enjoyed posing, and it was something she was, it was her natural talent. So all of these things kind of came together, and um, the, the, the photographs 60 years later are more compelling than ever. I mean, they seem very modern, yet they were taken 60 years ago. That is truly what it was amazing about. The, you're right. The fo- seeing these photographs, they, they literally could have been taken um, last week here. And, and it is, well, and it's become just an iconic look. And so many of these, you know, it's just, uh, it's fascinating to, to, to see um, how, you're right, that authenticity, that ability to kind of capture the moment. Uh, she apparently is a young uh, woman practiced quite a bit she wanted to be an actress and there's a there's a bit in the film about her her aspiring to be an actress and and her what happened then but she was constantly apparently constantly posing and trying to come come to uh, to to learn her craft really in a lot of ways wasn't that wasn't that the case well yeah when she was younger a teenager she and her sisters would kind of as she describes it and we show photographs of her as a teenager posing as as young as age 13 some of these photographs never seen before um she's posing in in her front yard and she says she's copying the photographs of hollywood movie stars she'd see in the sunday paper and then later when she started working for irving claw she he would give her the photographs and she would examine those and she would practice what she was doing so she, it was a natural talent that yeah. she honed. Yeah. But, but something else I want to say about, you know, the, the Betty Page's, why, why she's such an icon. I mean, she's beloved by both men and women. Yeah. And in fact, women are probably her bigger audience today. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the 50s, it was men, men's magazines. That's what it was assumed to be. But today, it's young women. In fact, two generations of young women have been heavily influenced by Betty with this kind of sex-positive feminism. Yeah, I agree. Well, this is a wonderful documentary. Congratulations, Mark Mori, on it. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, uh, it, it's opening all throughout the country, uh, in specifically right across the street from where I'm sitting at the University Town Center uh, six in Irvine, California, and but all over. You can find out more about all of the the film and and the screenings if you go to BettyPageRevealsAll.com. 
You have a Facebook, facebook.com slash Betty Page Reveals All, and a Twitter account at Betty Page Movie. Mark, thank you so much for being a part of Film School. Really enjoyed uh, the film and enjoyed um, the time with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's great chatting with you. Uh, take care. Bye. All right. You too. And that was Mark Morey, the uh, director of the film uh, Betty Page Reveals All. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.